It's my first time. First time. Welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time. Not a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I'm watching Babylon 5 for the first time. And I'm John Prade Chuckle Nugget, and I'm also watching Babylon 5 for the first time. We are two veteran Star Trek podcasters watching Babylon 5 for the very first time, just kind of like the title of the show says. And here in this show, we're taking that lens as Star Trek podcasters and applying it to Babylon 5 to search out for the messages to see if this one gives us any hope for the future or what it is saying to us and trying to ultimately decide, and we could take this part out because we have already decided as a whole, we should have watched this one way sooner than that. Yeah, totally. The whole series, and we're only almost a fifth of the way through this whole thing. crazy. Which is wild, right? But we totally should have watched this sooner. It feels like we just started this like a month or two ago. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. It's good stuff, but like Brent said, we're not a Star Trek podcast, but we are Star Trek podcasters, so to keep us honest, we have limited ourselves to no more than three references apiece, and every time we make a reference, assuming my finger's on the button, you're going to get one of these. After three, no moss for you, no more Star Trek. One of the coolest things about doing this with you and all these great people is the interactions that we have with the incredible Babylon 5 community I've got some emails and some comments to read, but I want to make a little editorial comment first. Mm. I like to read our five-star reviews. I like to read all of our reviews in this section, but we've been having quite a few come in because we've got a giveaway coming up at our season one recap that Brent will talk about here in a second. So I'm going to hold off on those so that we don't take like 30 minutes to uh, to just read reviews. I mean, it'd be great uh, to do. It'd be fun for us. I don't know if all of you would be into that. So we'll catch you. If you put a review in, we'll catch you for sure, but just not going to happen right now from our website. We have a website. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Yes. Babylon five first.com. That's right. The number five and the word first.com. Nice job. Well, in there, there's a little contact form. You can click that. It sends us a note. And David K did that. And he says the Babylon five is his favorite sci-fi show. I love the realism and the long story arcs. I know that you guys are comparing this to star Trek broadly. But I do think it'd be more interesting to hear you compare this specifically to Deep Space Nine because of the similarities and the fact that many believe Deep Space Nine ripped off so much from Babylon 5. Well, first of all, David, thanks for sending in an email and hello to you. Um, Honestly, what you're talking about there is a little bit of impetus for the, the gimmick, I guess, of the show that Jeff and I talked about. Way back when, when we first started, like all those years ago. Right. Now, um, <laughs> no, like a couple months ago, right? Several months ago. Uh, but we've definitely, we are we have heard it that uh, Deep Space Nine supposedly ripped off Babylon 5. They had the script and they said no. And then they come out with Deep Space Nine. And, and frankly, I feel like that would be a really short conversation. And especially getting towards the end of season one. Because the other thing I've said is, I, the other thing I've heard, is it's like the season one storylines are really close, but after you get past season one, they kind of diverge and each become their own thing. Like that's, that's, I don't know if that's true. That's just the other side of it. I've heard. I just, I just don't buy it. I really don't. And I know that people are like, yeah, but Paramount wound up paying out a big sum of money to JMS and, and all this sort of stuff. And 
Look, people pay out money just to make it go away and shut yeah. up. You know how much money they would have paid to go to court? Like whether they won or not, just how much yeah. you pay to be there. Yeah. yeah. Just in the controversy and let it be. So I, I don't really see that they're really that similar overall, just one season in. Well, you know, and I think we have the benefit of watching this 28 years later. I think mm-hmm. that at the time it was a little more fresh because they were both on the air and it was just, at I the mean, same time, yeah. and so things popped out a little bit more. Right. I know myself when this first aired, that was my initial thought. Oh, look, it's cheap Star Trek. Yeah. Now, 28 years later, I'm like, wow, what an incredible and unique mm-hmm. TV show that's its own thing. I, I, I mean, their, their storylines, their plot lines, what they're doing are entirely different to me. Mm-hmm. They're not anywhere near the same uh, story threads well, and, I and think, characters that they and have. I think to kind of grab that and, and share one other cool thing that was said on YouTube that yeah. perfectly highlights that. So one of the cool things about both YouTube and the audio podcast is that people go back and they listen you know, to our back catalog of things. Mm-hmm. And then they make comments on them. And that happened on our By Any Means Necessary video. And this, this was pretty mind-blowing to me. So they invoked the Rush Act, you know, that was supposed to, they were going to come in and shut down the the strikers and the rioters. Yeah, which we still really never were told what the Rush Act is. But Well, here's what the Rush Act is that we found out. Uh, it's named after Rush Limbaugh. No, it's not. Shut up. So scribbling on the walls on YouTube shared this and a couple other people in the comments did as well. Yeah. So to me, like, Star Trek's not going to be that. Well, Star Trek in the 90s isn't going to be that on the nose with anything. Okay. But Babylon 5, they're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> here you go, Rush Limbaugh. It's the Rush. It's, here's your act. Here you go. Interesting. Just to piss them off, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's that's interesting. So, now listen. I know there's a lot of you folks out there that are really still very much on the conspiracy train of Deep Space Nine ripped off Babylon 5. If you've got more arguments to make that are spoiler free, I don't I don't want to hear anything about seasons two, three, four, and five. Just contain it to season one. Uh, if you've got anything having to do with that, I am glad to hear it and listen to it because you probably know more about it than I do. But from my viewpoint, after watching a single season and being as entrenched in Star Trek as I am, and I think Jeff, you too, I just don't I don't see it as yeah. one being a ripoff or the other. I think it's two ideas that occurred simultaneously you the know aired, uh, the aired simultaneously yeah, yeah. I mean, that's even a big thing because yeah. we know that the storylines for b5 were starting you know he started jms started shopping this around in the late 80s 80s yeah you know so yeah, yeah. i think timing was really unfortunate and that's that's you, what's impacted this. do you remember back in the i think it was like the late 90s two movies came out at the same time and they were basically the exact same thing one was called armageddon uh-huh start deep, Bruce in, Willis, deep impact and the other right? one was deep impact yeah. they were asteroid comes to hit earth they're, but that's the same idea. Very different movies if you watch them. Yeah. You know, but it's the same thing. Right? Also, like, both not worth going back and watching again. But oh, yeah, really? I'm not a fan. I wasn't a fan. Yeah. I might, I might, it's been, admittedly, it's been a very long time since I've seen either. So they may exist a little better in my memory than <laughs> Brent. I talked about it a little bit a minute ago. Will you yeah. talk about our exciting, super cool giveaway? Yeah. So. Don't forget, guys, if you send in reviews, now we want the Apple reviews, although we'll take, if you send us a review on any platform, I think it'll count, Jeff, right? Totally, totally. Um, so whether it's on Good Pods, if it's on Podchaser, Audible, Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're listening, even if you're not, go over to one of those, leave a, pod, leave a review. But here's what we need you to do, just for logistic purposes. We need you to take a screenshot 
of your review. And then you can do one of two things with it. You can either email it to us. We set up a special email for this, Babylon5first at gmail.com. That's the number five, the word first, Babylon5first at gmail.com. Or just tweet it at us. That's fine as well. You can put it in open field or you can DM it. We don't care either way. And that's at Babylon1st over on Twitter. And you will be entered to get this super dope, cool 3D printed model of the Babylon 5 station that our friend and listener of the show wash designed and made which makes me a little jealous because i kind of wish i could keep it but this looks totally awesome well brent you could leave a review and tweet it into us and then you'd be you'd be up for it so yes and here's the other caveat we are going to give this away on our season one recap so so that means submissions are open for like two more weeks after you guys hear this if you're listening to this on the first run yeah yeah if you're listening, if you're if you're listening to a back catalog, you catch up with us much later. This thing's already done. But uh, from for those of you listening to us right now, you got two weeks, and uh, we'll enter you in. And until then, this is going to live back here on my bookshelf as Looks decoration. Looks good. Looks real good back there. Well, Brent, do we want to share what we guessed this was going to be about, or do we, we want to just dive into the recap? I think we should just dive into the recap because I think I completely just bypassed actually guessing this last week. So just go <laughs> oh. ahead. Stand by, we'll be right back. Are you ready to take your Babylon 5 for the first time experience to the next level? With our exclusive Patreon, you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes, unedited reaction videos, an exclusive Discord community. And you can even be listed as a producer of the show. Plus, we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts. You won't find this kind of experience anywhere else. Get all these amazing benefits, plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world. It's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5. Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. We can't wait to see you there. Yeah, and I think we're I'm even, wrong. yeah, we were both wrong. <laughs> That's the end <laughs> of that one. But yeah, so this is the quality of mercy. Murder. Murder on Babylon 5. And Carl Mueller is found guilty. He murdered two civilians and a security guard, and Garibaldi is furious. He wants to see this guy get spaced. But they don't put murderers to death. Nope, not in the 23rd century. Mueller is sentenced to have his mind wiped and replaced with a new personality so he can spend the rest of his days serving the community that he's hurt. Talia Winters, resident telepath, has to take a before and after mind scan to be sure the new personality sticks. She says, Journey with me into the mind of a maniac, doomed to be a killer since I come out the... Mm, it's a family-friendly podcast. I will uh, I'll cut it off right there. But to quote Ice Cube, Mueller is a natural-born killer. There's a choir of people that he's killed in his mind, and Talia is not cool with this at all. If you remember her experience with the vicar, and that, I don't know, some other guy that's on Babylon 5 sometimes. I don't know, where's some outfit? I forget his name. He's never around. Anyway, but she does not have good memories from this kind of work. Meanwhile, 
we learn that the free clinics are a no-no in the Earth Alliance. But Dr. Franklin, you know, a real stickler for the rules, is running one anyway. Not wanting any competition on the street, he chases down the resident quack, Dr. Laura Rosen, who's using an alien machine to sap her life to cure others. The thing is, the treatments are working. This alien device, though, is actually designed to sap the life completely out of criminals and then to be used to cure others. But she's found a much more appropriate use for it. Franklin, in investigating this, starts to get kind of sweet on the daughter, Janice, but then he has to keep a horrible secret away from her. Dr. Rosen is dying a slow and painful death from Lake Syndrome. Carl Mueller is getting led down for his mind wipe. Garibaldi and his team are demonstrating the latest in secure transport, letting him walk on his own, handcuffing him in the front. You know, shockingly, absolutely shockingly, Mueller is able to escape, steal a PPG, and head down below. Dr. Franklin does some quick math. He's pretty upset that he doesn't have any more patients in his illegal clinic, but then he realizes Mueller is headed for Rosen. He gets there just in time. He's got Janice at gunpoint and is forcing Laura to heal the damage he took from his escape. Seeing Dr. Franklin, Laura uses the machine in a unique way. She transfers her Lake Syndrome to Mueller, who dies an excruciating death. The ombuds, remember the judge that we used to work with? The ombuds finds that she acted in self-defense and is free to live a long and productive life. She turns the machine over to Babylon 5's care for study. Okay, all that little whatever stuff out of the way, now we can get to the real meat of this episode. Londo has been told by his boss that he needs to win more friends to influence people. And he looks up with Lanier. Lanier shares his entire life story with him. He was born, studied the religious cast, and now he's here. Just like Jadzia Dax did with the Trill candidate Arjun, Londo's going to show Lanier how to really live his life. They hang out at a strip club, and then after learning that Lanier has a deep passion for probabilities, they head into a high-stakes poker game. Londo gets, um, uh, frisky with the cards and gets caught cheating, leading to a big old brawl where Lanier wipes the floor with everybody. They get arrested, and Lanier takes the heat, saying that that's the honorable thing to do. Londo explains the his unique... Mm, method for cheating. Brent, what did you think of the quality of mercy? I did not expect to get full frontal nudity in an episode of Babylon 5. (laughs) I couldn't believe they went there. Do you know what I honestly thought that thing was? You remember a bunch of episodes ago we had the fake Kosh? Yeah, yeah. From the grail. I was was like, oh, mm -hmm. he's got one of those like chilling in his shirt and and that's what he's doing. Like, nope, nope. Now, and you know what? You guys can see this in my reaction video to, uh, to this. I was talking about, like, they've had this statue of the goddess in very prominent shots over the last several episodes. Mm-hmm. But in this one, I mean, Londo's talking to his person, and that that statue is right behind him. You know, and I mean, they're obviously setting that up for, for the reveal at the end. And I was like, why is that statue? What is the statue where it is? They came back and totally explained it. And he's like, I mean, I can't get a picture of naked Londo out of my head now. I'm sorry. And I've never oh, wow. actually seen it, but I, I I have the picture in my head. Well, I have so many questions. <laughs> what, what does it look like? 
Where do they go? How does it work? <laughs> they just wrap around his body and they put the coat on. Like, like is it for us? It's like, the birds and the bees. Is it like the uh, the minnows and the octopuses or something for the Centauri? Like, I mean, and he's used it. He's, I mean, talk about slapping your thing on the table. Like, <laughs> he used his junk to cheat at cards. Like, what? The only thing I wish oh they would have done. So they put he puts that pitcher of water and he's just like, oh, is anybody getting cold? Instead of drawing it back in, I wish it. I wish it just kind of slowly started to shrink. <laughs> it was cold. Oh man! I, listen. Overall, though, okay. That is, I'm. I'm glad to have got that out of the way, because that would be the thing hanging over this whole episode. Okay. Overall, uh, Jeff, this is one of those episodes that is wildly out of order. Yes, like agreed. HBO Max has like episode fourteen or fifteen, and we're watching it here as the next to last episode of the season. Honestly, we could have watched this almost whenever in the middle of the season, mm-hmm. and it would have been fine. Uh, in fact, now that we're kind of at the end of this first season, a lot really seems to be made of the proper order of watching things. And I kind of feel like with the exception of a handful of episodes that like one draws on the other, like, and that's just a handful of episodes. We really could have watched these in any order. Just about, and it, yeah. it wouldn't have mattered. And, it, you know, maybe it's the purest out there, like the big super fans that just know how it's supposed to be. And this is the way they want it to go. I, I don't I don't know why this one needed to be saved for the end. I think like I didn't I didn't get that. I think it had to happen after eyes. That I think was important. Be- and there, okay, this was just a wait, wait, I'm sorry. Remind me of eyes. What eyes was uh, with uh, Ben Zane and uh, Harriman Gray. Okay, right. So, but mm-hmm. but Lanier. That's where Lanier and Garibaldi made the made the bike, made the motorcycle. Okay, and I think that's important because if you remember, I was all like, dude, Lanier, like he just totally was like. Oh, the motorcycle. That's a sign of sexual prowess. <laughs> then in this one, he's at the strip club with Londo and he's getting ready to pull him out because he wants to go play poker. And he's like, oh, but I think I should watch one more dance. I, I have more studying to do of these. And I'm like, oh, there's a little thing going on with Lanier here that I really, this is pretty great. So I have that in my notes as the corruption of Lanier. <laughs> That's what I have in here. Uh because, you know, what we learned in that episode of Eyes, when he gets into another's culture, he dives in. Yeah, deep. And it deep. becomes his. And I was like, this is this is going to be every bit as glorious as I think it's about to be. <laughs> yeah, I, this I was just, it was just an episode to me. I don't think it was particularly special. It was good. I enjoyed it. I would totally rewatch this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, I have no problems with this episode. But I can't sit back and say... You know, this is one, not at least with what I know right now, this is one that moves the ball down the field and really opens up the world and and takes us to the next level. Like uh, the one that did with this, the uh, the two-parter we just watched. Yeah, Voice in the Wilderness. Like that, that one felt very advancing the ball down the field. I'm sure next week with Chrysalis being the season finale, that one's going to move the ball down the field. This one? I hope. (laughs) That'd be really weird if it didn't. Right. Uh, this one, like I said, could have been anywhere in the middle of it. Um, oh, oh, last thing I'll hand it over to you. I've decided something. I am not a Dr. Franklin fan. Okay. I'm I with you. I do not like Dr. Franklin. Now, I don't know if you want me to tell you why right now, or if you want to talk and we'll get into it later. Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of, let me wrap my opening thoughts with yeah. my thought on Franklin and you can pivot off that. Cause I, I, yeah, I, I landed there. I, I I think I've been there, to be honest. But this was just like, oh, yeah, not good. But I think for me, I, I yeah, I agree with everything you said. I, 
I enjoyed the, I mean, it sounds terrible, but I enjoyed the Carl Mueller stuff in this one because it did some really cool world building. And we'll talk about it a bit when we get to the closing thoughts, but it posed inadvertently a super powerful question. And that is corporal punish, capital punishment or no capital punishment. You know, they're in a, they're in a world where they don't do that, but they have a very different form of punishment. And I've got some thoughts on that. Uh, one cool, fun thing about Carl Mueller, uh, it's Mark Rolston, who has just miles long IMDb page doing his an, like some alien stuff and all and kinds of things. You, you know what's wild about that that thing? Every single role is exactly the same one. Yep. And including one of his most powerful and an episode I bring up very frequently for very specific reasons. But he was in the Next Generation seventh season episode, Eye of the Beholder. <laughs> He was the person that killed the people back on Utopia Planitia that caused a whole bunch of stuff to happen. That was Star Trek's, um, I'll I'll say, valiant attempt to bring suicide awareness uh, to Star Trek. I wanted to bring that up here just to, we've talked about mental health a couple times on the podcast, but suicide is a very real thing. And um, if you're watching this or listening to this, I just want, and if you're thinking about suicide, you have a plan for suicide. I want you to hear two things from me. One, I do not want you to hurt yourself. And two, call 988. 988 is the new number for suicide prevention, also for mental health uh, help. But the uh, uh, public health just put that number in place a couple months ago. So there's my opportunity to share that. I think on top of that, the, um, I don't know, the Laura Rosen stuff was kind of fun. You know, the doctor stuff, whatever. But my big deal was, Franklin can start an illegal clinic like he thinks he can, but then he gets all high and mighty when Laura Rosen does basically the same thing. And then he gets even more upset when she's getting better results than he is. I found him to be petty, um, unprofessional, and frankly, a danger, a danger to the crew and the people of Babylon 5. Yeah. So here's the thing. I mean, in that in, in that frame. We have seen now in multiple episodes, specifically, we'll talk about Believers. You said last week you thought this was going to be a sequel to Believers. Yeah. I think it was because it was all about Franklin. Okay. Um, It was the sequel having to do with Franklin had nothing to do with the family. But in both situations, and I feel like we've probably seen this once or twice in other, other deals, Franklin immediately writes off what the other person is doing or says because he's a man of science. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't jive with what he knows. And I have problems with that. He truly has this thing where whatever he believes and whatever he knows is the right thing. And whatever somebody else does or says is the wrong thing. And he just, he starts with that assumption. And if he were a true scientist and let's take this situation, someone claimed that this device worked. He just goes, no, it doesn't because I don't understand it. Yep. That was his excuse. Like that was, that was what he said. You don't understand it. You don't really know what it does. So therefore it can't be real. It can't work. He doesn't argue for a lack of safety or a, Hey, you don't know what the side effects from this thing are or anything like that, which would be very valid arguments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just argues, well, you don't know what it does, what it says or, or how it actually works. So it doesn't work rather than actually saying, Okay, let's test it out. Let's discover it. Let's do the science thing. Yeah. And lean into it. 
Same thing that we saw with the family and believers. Oh, well, they're 100% wrong. There is no soul. It's just science. And whatever they say can't be right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Might have a little more grit with this one as opposed to that one. But the principle, I think, still applies. He eventually comes around at the end, but I just... Well, I, don't, I have a problem with him doing that. He came around at the end when Rosen revealed that she actually did know what, I mean, she yeah. didn't know the nuts and bolts of it, but she knew what it was meant for. It's like mm-hmm. she was holding back because he didn't take that moment. And this happened in Believers as well. He didn't take the time or the moment to create a trusting relationship with her. He just right. came in swinging a baseball bat. Yeah. You know, and, and how was yeah. she supposed to react? Right. And all of that. So, of course, she withheld. But then as soon as like stuff got a little bit more serious. She's like, oh, it's actually meant for this, and this is what it does. And then he's like, oh, well, I I should take this from you so I can study it and I can learn from it. Uh, we're doing this stuff here, dude. Like, Come here. Yeah. yeah. Come, I, hey, how about I don't take it from you? How about I move you up here? Yeah, come so be part of MedLab. So that we can monitor you. Like, I loved his, his, his uh, compromise with her. I'm going to let you keep doing this, but I want you to come in once a week for, for a test. We're going to monitor you, make sure you're okay. If at any time I say you're done, you're done. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's all super fair. Yeah. And she got that. She's like, great. Awesome. Let's do yeah. that. Yeah. That's, you know, and and she's like, I'll leave this to you when I'm gone. You figure it out. Blah, 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 blah. That was all great. But Franklin, as a personality trait, the way he starts, I just have a big problem with. And I think you're right. I think it can put people in danger. Mm-hmm. If he just starts with the assumption of what he knows is right and everything else, therefore, is wrong. A kid's dead because of it. But that right. attitude, Sean's dead. Yeah. Whether he would have been or not or otherwise mm-hmm. or whatever, he there's a direct line between his decision-making and Sean's death that says he's already a danger. Well, the, the, the line there is, in one way, Sean would have died of natural causes. Mm-hmm. And the other way, his parents had to murder him. Yep. And it was all... Right? His choice and his actions yep. made that happen. He yeah. pushed that. He pushed that deal over to them, and and I just I have big big problems with that. When he sat down to talk with the daughter, mm-hmm. I, my note here was he should have done this at the outset. Right, first thing. That's first the thing. first thing you should have done is go find out what is going on before passing judgment. Like I'll sit there and tell you, I don't think he's a scientist. He's an he's an elitist. Yeah. He's an academic who came out and yeah, like he did some stuff, you know, hitchhiked around, took some good notes. He right. planted a flag and didn't give his, his notes over during the earth Minbari war. You know, he mm-hmm. had some principles, you know, or whatever, but yeah, like in, in my opinion, and I'm not a scientist, right? So let me just own that right up. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, science means coming in with that open science is answering questions, mm-hmm. right? And so you don't walk into a question already assuming, you know, the answer. And that no one else could possibly have it, you know, and that's, right. that's Franklin. Now, I, now I will say the scientific method actually says you develop a hypothesis first, which mm-hmm. means you do propose a solution, but you test, but then it. you go research it and you allow the evidence to prove or disprove it. And either answer is valid. Mm-hmm. What you don't do is you don't start with, this is the way, and I'm going to seek evidence to prove my way, which I do think actually a lot of real life scientists probably do, which that's also not the scientific method. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's Franklin. Uh, Here's one other question I have about Franklin that I'm really, this actually concerns me. How come he can get into people's bank accounts? Uh, So I get it when, cause this happened back when, um, oh gosh, they had the security guard who got killed um, with the Knights. This was with, um, wow, gosh, I can't remember the name of the episode. Joaquin. Yeah. Yeah. Right. When Joaquin was there. Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, did I just yes, use one? You no. Did. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> but it was. It was Joaquin in there with the the knights. But there's the security guard that they were, you know, bribing to do stuff. And Garibaldi yeah. was able to go. He's station security. He's Earth Alliance. Thing. Yeah, I get it. You can look at that. Doctor Laura Rosen is just living, and not only just living on the station, but living in down below. Yeah, like she's she's living in poverty, and yeah, you just got free access to her bank information with no probable cause, right? No nothing, just yeah. I looked this and up to her daughter's bank account information too. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's talk about Doctor Laura. Yeah, because she's an interesting case. So she had a situation a while ago where she got her medical license. She's a doctor. Mm-hmm. Had her medical license stripped. I don't exactly remember why. I don't know how important it really was. I think I think I think the why is super important. Not for now, but I think it's going uh-huh. to be. I don't know why, but it just like yeah. just popped did out you, to me. Did, they, did did I miss it? Did they explain exactly why she had a stem addiction? So she just oh, had that's like that yeah, never yeah, never, yeah, yeah. and yeah. that that caused her to make a mistake that directly yeah. caused somebody to die. There you go. Um, okay, medical malpractice. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's legit. I also have a problem with Doctor Laura. Okay. And I mean the character, not the newspaper lady, right? <laughs> Probably have some issues there too, but that's, right. that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> sure. That's a different show. <laughs> what, what her daughter says was they took away her reason for living or her reason for, for being. And honestly, my heart broke for her in that moment. Folks, let me tell you something. Your job is not your reason for living. Okay, this may be getting into the later messages. I don't know that this, they meant for this, so I'm going to pull this out. Your job is your job. It is not you. It is not, it it should not be your reason for living. Yeah, not at all. Because let me tell you what your job can do. Listen, if they lose business and your services are no longer absolutely required, guess what they will do? They will fire you. They will lay you off. They will not show you loyalty because your boss's job is to the business, not to you. Yeah. You need to be loyal to you. <laughs> and I'm not saying don't be loyal to your company. You should do that as well. well but yeah, but, priority but, but, needs to be priority. Yeah. And I have I have a lot of stories, a lot that are horrible about that. Where I'm going to yeah. direct you, though, I think I got to shamelessly self-promote last week mm-hmm. uh, or the week before that. I'm going to shamelessly self-promote again. But in the Starfleet Leadership Academy episode, Deep Space Nine, the House of Quark, I talk mm. about a concept called be, do, have. Be is who you are. Do is what you do and have is what you have. And our society has things flipped around to where we are do, have, be people. If I do this thing, then I can have a thing so I can be this way as opposed to being like, no, I'm just, I am just this thing. And no matter what situation, who I am, am, this is what I can do, Yep. which then this is what I can have. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty simple concept, but it gets really complex. And I talk about it. In some detail in that episode, it's worth going and checking out if this piques your interest in any way. Yeah. But I'll tell you. And I, I'm sorry. I just want to add, if you want to have something different or do something different, that means you start with changing you. Yeah. Yeah. How do I first. have to be? How do I have to be to do this? In thing? order to do that so you can have that. But that is that. Is, I've never heard that. I probably missed that episode. I should go back and do. Listen yeah. To it. That's cool. I like yeah. Because there's a sad. And I'll give. I'll go ahead. And I'll be fair. <laughs> And buzz me on this one because I'm going to talk a little bit because it's the one where uh, they decide to let uh, Keiko shuts down the school on Deep Space Nine and she's right. lost and doesn't have a purpose. And O'Brien's trying right. to give her purpose. And there's this horrible, horrible line with the best of intent where Bashir says, uh, Dr. Bashir says, 
uh, Keiko's a botanist. Let her be a botanist. And I was like, oh, no. Keiko is a, a mother and a calligrapher and a musician and an educator and all these great things. Who happens to know how to do botany? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a great conversation. And I think this is a thing where you're right. Dr. Rosen attached her entire worth, self-worth and identity to mm-hmm. being a doctor. And when that was taken right. away from her, when she gets to the end and she hits that reverse button and kills the dude, mm-hmm. right? The guilt that she feels over that. I'm a doctor. I'm a healer. And I harmed that person. Yeah. Do no harm. That self-imposed guilt. She that is feeling there is entirely unnecessary and is entirely made up. I know a lot of doctors. Mm -hmm. I run in doctor circles all the time. It's literally a part of my life. I know a lot of them. And I promise you every single one of them, if they were in the same situation would feel zero guilt over preserving the life of themselves and others around them with what this guy was doing in that instance. Mm Mm-hmm. Agreed. Doctors are also people. <laughs> what? Are you serious? <laughs> and honestly, the Hippocratic Oath applies to their patients. I'm not trying to speak for anybody out there. I'm just telling you my experience from what I know of this particular class of people. This whole thing about, oh, it's my oath and it's whatever and I can do no harm. Listen, she didn't harm this guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She saved everybody else. And and I really don't know too many doctors who would bat an eye. Yeah. At that situation. At and all. frankly, she saved him from a, what I think uh, might be an a even terrifying and horrifying experience. An yeah. even worse punishment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because then you're valuing life over life. Mm-hmm. Living. Valuing life over living. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or living over life. Whatever. Yeah, whichever way it apply works. Apply whatever you, word you want to mean to it. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, but to, yeah, so that's Laura. To kind of wrap on the whole doctor thing. I have a So the uh-huh. alien, the alien machine. I have a theory because uh-huh. they just mentioned that she bought it from a trader. Oh. It was a scavenger who picked it up from Death Walker. And this was the piece of machinery that pulled the thing that Death Walker needed for her immortality serum. Whoa. Ah, that's my guess. <laughs> that's cool. And that's sitting on Babylon 5 now, that machine. We okay. will see Wait, this again. How is this confident. related to the... How is this related to the machine that Soul Hunter has that literally sucks their soul out into like a little floaty ball? Gosh, now between these things, you can take their life, you can take their soul, and then you can put it into some sort of a cyborg, and then you've got the person you mean, again. You mean into a golem? And then that person gets <laughs> I was to- trying to avoid it. <laughs> have I used two now? Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. Jeff, you have tricked We're me into there. both of those, by I the did. way. You bait, tricked me into bait, both of them. Bait. Okay, I actually... Here's can I rewrite the ending for her? Yeah. If I if I can solve Dr. Laura's problem because in the end she's got to turn them turn the machine over to station personnel. That's mm-hmm. the the punishment from the ombud, right? Cool. Turn it over to personnel. Dr. Franklin, hire her to join you on the station. Guess what? Now she is station personnel. Boom. Problem solved. Yeah. And we're actually in a much better and healthier situation than we were before being down on brown level 37 or whatever. Yeah. Was. Wherever he was. Okay. Can we talk about the clinic though? Yeah. Cause I have lots of thoughts about the clinic. Okay. One, I was completely surprised to learn that med lab cost money. I have a memory 
I don't remember it exactly, back to our oh. great egg people, that there was something about someone paying for them, for them to be in med lab. So there was a conversation about money. But I was I was with you where I'm just like, it's like 2258 and free clinics aren't cool? Wow, as somebody in 2022, yeah. I find that the most distressing fact about the future that I've seen so far. I The only time I actually remember anything really having to do with money uh, on a on a legit basis is when Ironheart came on board and he was renting the room. Mm-hmm. That was the only time I remember anything having to do with money. It just never occurred to me that that wouldn't be the case here on board. Um, I think this is just another disparity between the altruism of Star Trek. I'm going to use my third one right here. I don't care. Okay. Um, but this, this is where I am so in line with Starfleet and Star Trek and future and space where all of that, like, you're just given that we respect life enough that we're going to take care of you to not see it like that and say, no, no, this is a money-making venture for us. That, that was a surprise. I 100% understand Ivanova's point that Babylon five is meant to be a self-sustaining ecosystem Mm -hmm. situation. It's got to be totally get it. And that the clinic, the med lab is a part of that. The med lab has to be able to pay for itself. Although I would, I would suggest it shouldn't be a profit center that helps fund other things on the station. It should just be Covering like med costs. lab itself should be its own self-supporting thing. Pay Dr. Franklin, wherever you got to pay him. Yeah. Pay, pay. He's making life and death decisions every single day. I have no problems with paying doctors gobs of money. You know what, I mean? what, what yeah. those people go through and what they trained in, how they, how they do it is fine. The crap that they put up with is just phenomenal sometimes. Anyway, here's the other thing though. Any town today, that is a town of 250,000 people, and to your point, is going to have homeless people. It's going to have impoverished people. It's going to have people receiving welfare, government assistance, food stamps, all that sort of stuff. They're going to live in government housing. They just By numbers, you're going to have those people. They will exist within your community. Surely Babylon 5, as a station with 250,000 residents, is going to be the same way. We saw the telepath girl from a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. right? We've seen the, I mean, that's what the whole idea of the lurkers are, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, Jinxo and that. Yeah. Crew yeah. Just, yeah, we've, all seen, the, yeah. we've seen the, the, the underbelly, I guess. The graph. Of, of, yeah. The, yeah. So these guys have to exist. While I get Ivanova's point about med lab and, and the station having to be self-sustaining, a part of that, shouldn't there be a way to take care of these guys? Be the free clinic. And even within med lab, be, oh, so I get it. She doesn't want to divert the resources for med lab to, to take care of this. This should be a different entity mm-hmm. or a part of paying for this comes out of the med lab budget. Keep it all aboard above board. <laughs> you, you know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and I'm not even saying that, that you're going to get into super deep uh, uh, medical issues. I'm just talking about, Hey, you've got a cold, you've got right. some cataracts, you've got some, you know, I mean, we have Medicaid today yeah. that, that helps pay for that, but there's also just the clinic you can go to. Exactly. Today, why they don't have that in a town of 250 of a quarter million people, Jeff, quarter million people. This feels like this is just, I mean, you've got waste recyclers, don't you? You've got waste extraction mm-hmm. somewhere. Somebody's got to be your garbage man, right? Like you got barbers. Where's your, your people that are taking care of the impoverished and the homeless Yeah, that are hanging out on station? Yeah, we haven't seen that at all. Oh. <laughs> See, finger on the button. That's the thing. There you go. But I do want to talk about Ivanova. Her coming in, dropping the hammer on him. You can't do this. You can't do this. Uh, unless I get to be a part of it. Right. Yeah. Ivanova, you're, 
one of my favorite characters. Totally. But I think it speaks to that whole thing where everyone sees the need for it. And in her head, she's like, hey, as long as this isn't diverting funds and we're doing it together and it's on our own time, then, yeah, I'm going to help you. I'm gonna, we're going to make this be a thing. Right. And he's like, Although well, roll up your sleeves. And she goes, uh, that's not what I meant. I know. That is. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Although for me, I'm like, um, does she have any medical training at all? <laughs> like, what did, She's got a needle and she's yelling at me. Uh, I'm a little right. nervous. <laughs> right. Let's talk about um, let's talk about Talia. Okay. And the the murderer dude. Uh, okay, first of all, I, I'm right. The man plays the same character in every single show. Every he's in. single thing. However long that list is, it's the same dude, right? Yep. Every time. Okay. Uh, he's he's that bad guy is what yeah. he is. Except for this one, he's Carl Mueller, which is important because Carl Mueller was the guitar player for the band Soul Asylum. Mm. Yeah, died in 2005 from esophageal cancer. Is kind of a big deal when that happened for anybody who followed the alt-rock scene. But I learned a thing when I was chasing down that rabbit trail. Did you know? Uh-huh. Well, first off, do you even know who Soul Asylum yes. is? Okay, yeah, yes. Runaway Train. Mm-hmm. It's their big thing. But uh, they started as a band in 1981. Wow. Yeah. They're that no, old? I had wow. no idea. Wow. So Carl Mueller, for having been starting a band in 81, dying in 2005, looked really good in 2258. She clearly doesn't want to do this. And he's like talking her into it and like making her feel bad if she doesn't. Mm -hmm. But she's like, no, I've got issues with this and I don't want to do it. Here's my, why this bothered me. And I don't know why it bothered me, but I don't know why she did it. When she was getting dressed, she pulled out of like her little kit, a black ribbon, a real thin black ribbon. And she attached it over her collar and it crossed over her Psychor badge. Mm-hmm. Almost like a like a slash through it. Like I hate psychor. What was that? Why did she do that? What is that? So I read that in that she wasn't um, in that moment. She wasn't um, what's the word? She wasn't operating under the authority of psychor, but was operating under the authority of the ombuds or something like that. So she wears the psychor badge to say, "Hey, I'm psychor. I'm cool. You know, I've got uh-huh. all this stuff." But I have this thing over it because I'm not acting in a psychor capacity right now. Although now that I say that, she talks about how there are psychor people trained to deal with this criminal stuff, and there's a massive shortage of them. But but maybe it's just a training thing. It's not necessarily a psychor thing. I don't know. I don't know. That's just was my read. I mean, I get why she wears the gloves, but you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what what did you make of Talia and her whole adventure into his mind to the symphony? If she's tra- if she's a trained person. To deal with this, I would sure hate to see an untrained person because that was that was that was I mean, I I get that she's got some past trauma from being in the head with that serial killer before. And that was some pretty messed up stuff going on in Mueller's head. But I mean, she's a professional who's been trained. And Mm -hmm. while she should be taken aback a little bit, maybe or or, yeah, I, I, I felt that she was pretty incompetent in that whole that whole exchange. I did, too. I, I, I don't know that I would say incompetent. I would just say. I, well, I was thinking unqualified, like yeah. for as qualified as she is, she's clearly not, you know, and maybe something, you know, stress, PTSD, whatever's happened to her. She is no longer, she should no longer be qualified to do totally. This. Yeah. And she should give it up. You know, they went down um, the the steps. They could have sent him to earth for life imprisonment. They didn't want him. They could have put him in the brig for life. There's no room, which I found interesting. There's no room mm-hmm. in the brig. The only other option is this mind wipe. And then Tali is like, no, I don't want to do it. It's almost like, I don't care what you want. It's the only viable option. You're you're qualified, I, so you're going to do it. 
See, I don't know why they wouldn't put them in the brig. I, I mean, that's what we do. It doesn't matter how full they are. We just keep throwing people in there. Yeah, totally. Just stack like, the stack the, the racks higher. Yeah, just keep keep going. I mean, because that's got to be perfectly okay, right, Jeff? Yeah, it turned out really keep, well. And orange is the new black. Nothing, nothing bad happened when they started stacking higher. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Turned into a um, comedy at that point. It was just a fun, I, fun romp. It sure did. Yeah. It sure did. Did you think that uh, the bad guy got away a little too easy? Like was, way too easy. That was ridiculous. I think yeah. I've talked a lot about how I think Garibaldi is wildly competent in his job. I take every single one of those statements back. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Get let him be competent in his job. Blame the writing on this one. Okay, yeah, like, that's fair. Plot reasons he needed to get away. I'm not in law enforcement. Granted, I'm more adjacent to it than a lot of people are, but yeah. I know you put the cuffs behind their back. There's there's a reason for that. If, if it's a murderer type situation, he's got leg irons on as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if it's so, extreme, like they kind of have reason to believe it is with him, they slap a mask on him, put him on a dolly and wheel him there. Like not saying that's the right thing to do, but what they did, I mean. Pff. Well, having the guards stand 10 feet away from him <laughs> instead of right next to it, like that was just, uh, you know. Again. It's almost it's almost like they took the securities. uh what was his name? Zathras, right? Zathras yeah, from yeah. Babylon Squared. Yeah, they're like, hey, uh, your station's gone, so we need you to work security now. And when someone runs away, they just look at each other like, oh, what do we do? Oh, I guess right. we chase after him. Should we chase after him? Uh, <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking about going on for a break, but, you know, I guess we got to go get him. Anyway, so he goes, all right, the end of his story where she transfers the thing back to him. Were you anticipating that to be what would happen? Yeah. The second, the second he was hooked up. Yeah. Like yeah. she's going to flip that sucker into reverse and she's going to yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah. I was hundred percent. Although why does the one require just like a little button push and the other one requires like an entire palm print? Yeah, exactly. You know, I don't, well, and also it's like the way they described it was it takes your life force. Like it sucks your right. life force away. Why did it just take her leg syndrome? Like that seemed weird. It was very, it was very appropriate to the plot though. Sure. But yeah. Sure. Help move that along. You know, I'm, Okay, uh, let's talk about Lanier just for a moment, and and I think we can go. We learn that Mimbari get homicidal, homicidal rages, psychotic outburst with just the tiniest bit of alcohol. That seems like a problem. That like scene we, where Londo's like, he's like, there's no alcohol in there. Oh, no, no alcohol at all. Good, because here's what happens if I have alcohol. Oh, wait. <laughs> you, here, get water for him, please. Right. <laughs> Londo's going to get him drunk. Yeah. Um, you could just watch Londo's heart break in that moment. Like one, he was terrified, but also he's like, oh God, I got to replan the whole day now. Okay. The other thing that I think we learned about Lanier, Lanier is Yoda. Dude, he is, he is I mean, hard. My gosh. Like, and I'm talking like episode two fighting yep. Count Dooku, Yoda. He like, like leaps in oh. the air, kicks, takes out three guys with one kick. It just, I mean, that's, that's <gasps> like a Neo in the matrix style. Like he raised up frozen air camera spun around him and he just <laughs> took them all down. My favorite part though, that whole thing was like, that was awesome. It was a great scene. He comes down and then he and Londo stop and the guys kind of get up and surround him. And then Bill Moomy comes back into a fighting stance uh-huh. that tells you he has never trained in martial arts or been in a real fight in his entire life. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. I love, I loved it. it just, and it, to me, it fit the character. You know, I don't, it wasn't intentional. I don't uh-huh. think, but I'm just like, of course, of course, Linear's going to look like that, throwing his hands up. And then the last thing I think we got, I just have to close it out by saying, 
We saw Londo's junk. <laughs> I need a mind wipe from Talia Winters just on that. <laughs> Can we get you know selective? what? I don't have any symphony going on here. This one's safe. Come on yeah. over, huh? Just but safe except for this one little section of tentacles. And, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Can He's you help me out. out a little bit? Well, Jeff, I think that means, unless you have anything else, we have reached that part of the show where we try to boil it down and see if this has any of that Star trek quality. If you want to compare it to Deep Space Nine specifically, please feel free and have fun. Is there a deep moral message? Uh, are we holding up a mirror to society? Are we giving hope for a better future? Rate this on a scale of zero to five deltas. What you got for us, Jeff? You know, last week we talked about how Babylon 5 doesn't do fun very often, you know, because we had that really cool prank scene with uh, yep. Garibaldi, Ivanova, and Sinclair. Well, this was fun. Like, I mean, there was a lot of horrible, <laughs> like really bad and really right. heavy stuff. But the Londo linear stuff was, I mean, it was just done really Really well. And and that alone, like that little nugget alone, there's a 100% chance I'm going to watch this episode again. Like it was, it was a ton of fun, but as far as like Star Trek, like messages go, Londo was told, like, it would be cool to talk about how, you know, the budding friendship that started from something, but Londo was totally taking advantage of linear the whole time. I mean, he stole his credit shit. He was doing this because his boss told him to make more friends. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that wasn't super great. But this did pose a super powerful question. And that's about the death penalty. Mm. You know, is is it right or wrong? Is taking the personality better, worse? Like, w- what does that look like? But they don't talk about it at all. They don't even actually ask the question. They just say, we don't kill people unless they're mutineers or, uh, you know, treason. We do this other thing. It's up to me to, like, pull out of that, like, oh, there's a deep message in here about what they see about corporal punishment in the future. Also, I don't think I like this form of punishment very much. Not even an issue that's discussed. It's just there. It's just talked about and it's just, just what it is, but it, it did touch, you know, on a couple of these things and, and, and pose the question. So I feel I'm feeling generous and especially through the lens that you provided last week, I'm going to give this one half a Delta. We're really close. We're about a half a Delta off of each other. Okay. Because I give this one no deltas whatsoever. To your point, they discussed this. I'm I'm sorry. They didn't discuss it. Mm, That's why it gets no deltas. It was there. It was there for the taking. Had this been a Star Trek episode that was being a Star Trek episode, that's where they would have gone. They would have have dived into the question of is, is wiping his mind worse than just killing him and what is the role of corporal punishment or capital punishment actually i guess we should say, yeah yeah um in society is this guy redeemable at all this is just not an episode star trek would have done not in this way no the setup might have been really close to being there also whatever was going on with dr laura would have tied really close this would have been one of those things where the a and b plots are like symmetrical images of each other. And yeah. somebody's probably commenting right now, like you missed it. Here's how they were symmetrical. Please write that down because I don't see it. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Let it's me fine. Know. Yeah. Put it in the comments down below in YouTube or write us an email. If you're out there listening to the podcast somewhere, but I give this one, no deltas. This was, yeah. it was a fun episode. I'm with you. This is good TV. I'll watch this one again. Yeah. It's a great Babylon five episode. This is not a star Trek episode. This isn't a deep space nine episode. Uh, th- if this was a Deep Space Nine episode, what would have happened is it would have been a Cardassian. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. And what would have happened? I mean, almost like the episode duet. Duet. Yep. They, they would have gotten to a certain point and then somebody would have knifed him. 
at the end. Like he would have died anyway, but it would have like not been right when they yeah. got to the conclusion, you know. Whereas here it's like, yeah, this uh, this feels pretty good. Like this was the right outcome. And frankly, if I was Carl, I would prefer this outcome to having my brain lobotomized and then sent to clean toilets all the time. Right. But I think this is a great example where, you know, kind of a thing we've been talking about and people have been emailing and commenting about is like our deltas are not a question of how much we like the episode. That's just right. about the Star Trek like, like messages in there. This was a great episode. Just sure. wasn't very Star Trek like. Is there a message that that provides hope for the future the way Star Trek does? Because if one's a ripoff of the other, you'd figure that they'd be a, a similarity there. Yeah, I think that's it for Quality of Mercy for us. So next, Brent, we're watching the season one finale. What? So Crystal. soon? Yeah, it's like we Didn't just we just start the show. It feels like we're on like episode like twelve or thirteen right now. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, I, I mean, I because I think I'm like, yeah, way back we did midnight on the firing line, and then we skipped Soul Hunter because, and then we skipped Infection. This is a little different than other ones. We know the name of the next episode, but we also know that they've uttered the word chrysalis before. Yeah, and we've talked about it a little bit in past episodes. So with all that context, what do you think chrysalis is going to be about? I I think it's Sinclair. And there's going to be some sort of uh, transformation. Is it a literal, like, going into a cocoon and sprouting wings like a butterfly? I don't know. But I, like, that's my get, like, like this is, we've been theorizing that Sinclair is like part Mimbari mm-hmm. for a long time now. And I think this might be where some of that goes. Now, we have seen fully human old Sinclair. We did last week, actually, literally yeah. uh, saw that there. So we have seen that, but uh, I think this is him doing some, uh, like, I don't, I don't know that it's literal. Like, I think it's just metaphorical. He's going to change into something that we've not seen before. Okay. Maybe he, maybe, uh, you know what I really hope it is? I hope we finally get the full unfiltered answer of what happened at the battle of the line, because isn't this like supposed to be the end of chapter one of the whole series, right? Like, so I hope we get a full answer to what happened at the Battle of the Line, why the Mimbari chose Sinclair specifically to lead this station, mm. you know, whatever's going on with the Lynn and the prophecy. And frankly, I don't care about everybody else. This is the, I think, central story that we've been tracking. And okay. I want to follow that. That's what I want it to be. What yeah. about you, Jeff? So I think the chrysalis is going to be bigger than Sinclair or Delenn. I think this Ooh. is about the Minbari. We okay. saw the Minbari in um, uh, when when Dylan got you know voted Babylon leader. squared Babylon squared wow yeah. yeah last week literally last week yeah it's been a long week it's been a it long week but um they were at a crossroads right they they were looking for a new leader and there were these things and Dylan didn't jive with what they were wanting it's the first time that's ever happened and so what I think is that part of this prophecy part of this chrysalis is going to be about the Minbari as an entire race. I don't know if it's like a societal upheaval or if it's some sort of a genetic sort of a thing, but I think this is going to be bigger. This is going to be a Minbari thing and not just focused on Delenn or Sinclair. Okay. That's my guess. I'm for it. Yeah. Well, we're going to find out out. next week. Yeah. Next week, right here. Thank you all for joining us so much. We are almost to the end of season one. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And like Brent talked about at the beginning, give us a rating, a review screenshot it tag us on twitter with that screenshot at babylon first 
or email it to us, babylon5first at gmail.com. It's the number five, the word first, and then you might win that awesome model of Babylon 5, the station itself that's behind Brent right now. So, Brent, until next time. Hey, Jeff, 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 real quick, real quick. Yeah, yeah. You want to go play some poker? You know, I do love, I do love poker. In fact, I I believe the odds of us having a good time playing poker are probably about 5,000 to 1 in favor. Uh, stop, stop, stop. Never mind. Just Zabagabi or whatever you do. It's my first time.